Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Something a little bit different this morning and I might uh, try and sneak in a few of these over the next couple of weeks. I was sent to, I was sent yesterday a, uh, a post by Clarky, Clarky's Rugby League column talking about the greatest lock forwards of the NRL era. So I thought I would give my live reaction to it as sent in by, I think it was Craig, who sent it to me and said, can you do a potty on this, mate? I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. So I'm going to go through and give my live reaction. I haven't looked at it too closely. Uh, I do notice so with a lot of Clarkie's posts, it is important to read the caption so he can actually explain what he is doing in the post. So I'll do that quickly. Um, Clarkie's call for the Andy Raymond Unfiltered Podcast this week is my top 10 lock forwards of the NRL era. Shout out to Andy Raymond when we lost our voice from a couple of weeks ago. He sent me a heap of content to use on the pod, which I thought was really entertaining. A couple of dream teams and whatnot. So go and check out Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Uh, champion fella, Andy, who we've had a bit to do with over the years, and he's been great. Uh, every week on the Andy Raymond Superpod, I'll make a call. Where after your response, Andy and I re- react to the comments every week. Podcast always also features twelve plus NRL mini interviews with players past and present every week. So, Andy Raymond on your podcast player to listen. The criteria for this player only had to feature in the NRL era at some stage. It is not reflective of their specific form during that period. So I think that is pretty evident for uh, the guy that's in the picture here, I assume, is number one. He is Bradley Clyde. Uh, obviously played the vast majority of his career before the NRL era, but he did finish his career with the Canterbury Bulldogs. I think he played two years in the NRL era, so obviously you are able to then pick Bradley Clyde as long as he played from 98 onwards. So uh, that's the criteria for this. So any players that featured in rugby League post Super League, essentially, uh, you could pick as a lock forward in this list. So we'll go through it and I'll give my live reaction. Number one is Bradley Clyde. Uh, personally, I agree with this. I think Bradley Clyde is one of the most underrated players of all time. And I think he is a really, really good example of uh, how we underappreciate and we underrate guys that don't go into the media and don't stay relevant. I think as well with Bradley Clyde, um, he probably came just before that time where, you know, highlight packages and every single game was on TV. TV, etc., etc. Uh, but mate, you go back and watch games that he featured, in, especially big games. Bradley Clyde was an unbelievable footballer. I still think to this day uh, he's one of the most complete forwards we've ever seen. I've quite often said that Cam Murray. He reminds me a lot of Bradley Clyde, very similar to how Clyde used to play. He was the fittest guy on the field, best defender on the field, very hard to handle. Always got to his front. Uh, there's a try that I always look at with Bradley Clyde where he plays the ball. 
48 metres out from his own try line. He plays the ball and he scores two passes later. So for a forward to play the ball in their own half and to score the try, pretty incredible. Steve Walters uh, goes down the open side, comes back and finds Bradley Clyde and puts him away from halfway. So you quite well, occasionally you see throughout an NRL season a player play the ball and score a try. Phil Gould used to have a thing back in the day when he was coaching, when if you played the ball and then you scored, he owed you a case of beer. So you always see Phil Gould, whenever that happens, he loses his mind in commentary. Uh, Bradley Clyde was a forward who did it from his own end. Very, very, or did it from his own half, I should say. Very, very rare. And uh, yeah, Bradley Clyde, he just had this unbelievable motor. Uh, his tackle, his, his tackling technique was just second to none. And you have a look back at those Raiders sides as far as, you know, how stacked they were. Your Ricky Stewart, your Laurie Daly's, your Mal Meningas, your Gary Belchers, your Glenn Lazarus, your Steve Walters. List goes on and on. Bradley Clyde, I think he really was sort of, I would say that Ricky Stewart was the glue that held the team together, but he was the soul of it, Bradley Clyde. Um, just incredible the way that he was able to play the entire game back then and how he would dominate. You watch him um, quite often. He, he, well, he, he would just about lead every single kick chase throughout his career, and he'd always be there to make that first content, c- contact. So, Bradley Clyde, I completely agree with him being the number one. Probably controversial because he is a little bit older and whatnot, uh, but you expect, well, I, I know that when I talk to people that were old enough to sort of watch his career from start to finish, that I trust their opinions. They speak of him incredibly highly, and a lot of them say that he is the best forward that they've seen. So I completely back Bradley Clyde being number one. I think a lot of people in my generation and younger than me really undervalued just how good he was. Number two, Jason Taumalolo. Uh, hard to push back on. You know, obviously a premiership winner, lost another grand final, but also... You know, the first forward to win a Dalian medal since Gavin Miller in the 70s. So very hard to push back on. Uh, Jason Tamalolo has been fantastic for a very long time. Playing a few more limited minutes now. But at, at his absolute best, I mean, he really did set a new standard that I think a guy like Payne Haas has probably kicked off the back of what Jason Taumalolo started, the amount of minutes he was playing, the amount of metres and post-contact metres in particular he was getting through, he sort of broke through a barrier that set a new standard. I also think that Taumalolo has, has added a, a big passing a big passing uh, attribute to his game as well, which has just taken him to another level. So I understand picking Jason Taumalolo at two. Number three is Sam Burgess. Love this pick here. And like Taumalolo and Sam Burgess and the guy in third place, to be fair, they're probably more a front row forward than locks to me, to be honest with you, just at the way they played. But uh, Sam at number three, what he did in the 2014 Grand Final will go down in as rugby league history. Incredible stuff. But just outside of that as well, obviously the back end of his career was pretty heavily derailed by injury. Uh, and, I, you know, if Sam Burgess would have had a full uh, career that was injury-free or, you know, just 80% injury-free, it's wild to think where he could have ended up in the history of our game. But uh, a fierce competitor, uh, one of the best offloads in rugby league too. Very, very dangerous Sam Burgess. First time I ever saw him was putting that hit on Fui Fui Moi Moi. And this was Fui Fui Moi Moi when he was dominating the world of rugby league. And an 18-year-old Sam Burgess off a dropout absolutely leveled him. Uh, but it is 2014 that we will forever remember Sam Burgess for that brutal contact with James Graham and played through that grand final. Uh, with a fractured jaw or a fractured cheek socket or something. Uh, pretty incredible stuff. Number four is Paul Gallon. As I said, another guy that I probably see more as a front row forward than a lock. 
But he obviously played a lot of his career in the 13, especially at Clubland and won the premiership in Jersey 13. I think that for the first part of Paul Gallon's career, he tried to be a little bit too much of a 13 and ball played a little bit too much. But the back end when he had a lot of success and he was really at the peak of his game is when he, he sort of just played like a front row forward. And that's obviously when he won the premiership. So Paul Gallon, I get putting him in there 100% a kangaroo and a New South Welshman and a captain of New South Wales for a very long time. Number five is a guy that I thought would be a little bit lower because I think people underappreciate him at times, but I'm glad to see that Clarkie and Andy Raymond have him this high. Number five is Glenn Stewart. Uh, now, a lot of people would probably remember Glenn more as a back rower. For me, a fantastic 13. I love everything about Glenn Stewart, and if I could, you know, it's not very often I pick a best of team and don't feature Glenn Stewart. If I haven't featured him, it's because I've already got too many ball players in the team. And if you actually go and listen to the uh, randomizer challenge that I did yesterday, I actually got to a point where I had Ali Lawatiti, then I had to pick back, back row from Manly. And because I already had Lawatiti as a, as a bit of a ball player, an offloader, I decided to go for Ben Kennedy instead of Glenn Stewart. But if I didn't already have that guy, Glenn Stewart would be in my team every day of the week. He was pretty much a second 5'8", Glenn Stewart. Absolutely tough as nails, a fantastic leader. Always made the right decision, always pulled the right rein. And it's, it's some of the guys on this list, and he's probably... Before I have a look at the rest of the list, I'd be shocked if there was a guy that had just better timing with his ball playing than the great Corey Parker. He, oh, sorry, I read the list below. Then the great Glenn Stewart, his timing and, and his ball playing and just his awareness and his tempo with his running and everything, uh, just second to none. So Glenn Stewart, gifty they used to call him, uh, which was a very, very <laughs> unique name, but a very well-deserved name. A champion player, Glenn Stewart, and a guy I've got a lot of time for. Our next one, as I just mentioned, the super coach God, Corey Parker, uh, the offload king. He had goal kicking to his game as well. A great defensive player. You had to have have him on the list somewhere. Obviously, you super coach players, you know just how much of a champion Corey Parker was for such a long time. He was the alpha in the super coach world. Uh, he'd obviously play 80 minutes, make his 45 to 50 tackles. He'd have three or four offloads a game. And then, of course, he'd kick goals for the Brisbane Broncos. So he was an absolute juggernaut. There was a period of time there where in super coach draft comps, it was pick one, Cam Smith, pick two, Corey Parker, pick three, I've got no fucking idea who comes after those two because they were just so much better than all the rest of the guys. But uh, Corey Parker, a very, very good selection there in number six. Number seven is Ben Kennedy. Now, obviously, could play 13, could play on the edge. And this is where, obviously, with these lists, there's a lot of guys that could play edge or at 13. Ben Kennedy, um, I think he won the 2001 Grand Final playing on the edge, I believe, uh, but played 13 a lot throughout his career, especially uh, when he got to the Manly Seagulls, which I think is where he had a huge impact. Obviously, at Newcastle, he won the comp and he was great in that grand final. I actually thought that, you know, fair, fair enough that Joey got the Clive that night, but if you had to pick a next best, it would have been Ben Kennedy for me. And if you, if Ben Kennedy would have got the Clive that night, I, you know, I, I would have said Joey was unlucky, but I don't think it would have been a travesty or anything like that because he was fantastic in that game, Ben Kennedy. And then, of course, the Manly Seagulls signed him a couple of years ago, the back end of his career. I think he played 05, uh, 04 and 05, retired at the end of that, but you talk to guys from that era and they say that Ben Kennedy, he completely changed the attitude of the Manly Seagulls and he laid a foundation for the future. And of course, uh, I think it's 07, uh, they go to their first grand final 
Um, so, yeah, pr- pretty special stuff. He laid a pretty special fanda- foundation uh, for the Manly Seagulls. That group obviously went on to have a lot of success. You talk to guys, and Ben Kennedy essentially took Anthony Watmo under his belt. Uh, Glenn Stewart as well. All these guys are under his wing and taught them just about everything that they knew and just really laid the platform for the Seagulls. So, champion player Ben Kennedy, love that pick there. Number eight. Now, obviously, Clark, he's a big Titans fan, but I love this pick. Greg Bird. I've always said he's one of my favorite origin players for New South Wales. He just came along in a very unsuccessful period, going up against one of the greatest teams of all time, let alone origin teams of all time, the Queensland eight in a row. But Greg Bird, he could obviously play on the edge. He could play 5'8", but 13 was his best position. And Greg Bird, he's the sort of guy that I would ideally love to build a 13 around. He was fantastic. Tough as nails, had a bit of shin in him, which I'm completely okay with um, to having your forward pack, but also just skillful. Had a kicking game, just picked his moments really, really well. I think that if Greg Bird would have stayed at a team that was, you know, always contending for premierships and whatnot, I think he probably would be much higher up this list. He was an absolute freak birdie. I've said it on a number of occasions that in Origin, I think Wally Lewis, he played 30 Origins, I think he got man of the match six times when he's playing 5'8". Um, you go and have a look at Greg Bird, he played three games at 5'8", got man of the match. Sorry, yeah, he played three games at 5-8, I think it was, and got two man of the matches. And I think he got two man of the matches in a row. Uh, so pretty incredible stuff for Greg Bird. A very, very good player. Very underrated. And I think that he would have been held as sort of a bit more, a bit closer to like an origin legend had he come along in a time uh, where Queensland weren't so dominant. He was fantastic, Birdie. Uh, number nine is TC, Tony Carroll from the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, a guy that could play 13, could play middle, could play a bit of centre, could play edge, could play everywhere. Uh, but at 13, he was always special for Brisbane. Why, are they the only team to have more than one player on this list? Yeah. So Tony Carroll and Corey Parker, one club players, both of them. I guess Ben Kennedy played for Newcastle as well, same as uh, – sorry, pl- pl- played for Manly as well, same as Glenn Stewart. Uh, but, yeah, Greg Bird played for the Sharks too, same as Paul Gallon, I guess. But, uh, yeah, look, I think that uh, Tony Carroll definitely deserves his selection here. The bodyguard, he was always uh, protecting Darren Lockyer out there and did a fantastic job of it. Uh, TC, what a player. Could play in so many positions. But I think, I think that's the real key to a lot of these guys is that they became a lock – because And it's starting to turn back into it, which is good to see. You early guru followers will know that my first year or so, I banged out on, on about this for ages, that the lock forward jersey is being wasted on front rowers instead of being used on footballers. And it's these sort of guys that can play multiple positions that are just good, good footy players with a high IQ that you want to be in your 13 jersey. And uh, Tony Carroll was a great example that could play so many positions and handle himself in so many spots and tough as nails. Now, speaking of tough as nails, number 10 on the list. Simon Mannering. Wow. Um, just embodied everything that is the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I look at them now and Tohu Harris, he's probably that guy now, very similar to Simon Mannering. I probably look at Simon Mannering as more of an edge player, to be honest with you. Uh, but I can understand why Clarkie and Andy have put him in the 13 category. He's more of an edge to me, but I can understand him being there. And when he did play 13, Bucky was always solid. Uh, so Simon Mannering, a nice little pick there. Um, look, it's really easy to look at these lists and pick it apart and find everything wrong with it. You know, I'm reading some of the comments that are like, um, geez, having uh, Corey Parker ahead of Ben Kennedy is laughable. And it's like, okay, 
Corey Parker's six, Ben Kennedy seven. Like, Jesus, settle down, you know. It's very easy to pick apart little small things. Clarkie and Andy Raymond have got one or two sentences to explain how they picked it and whatnot. So I'm sure there's a lot more conversations to have behind it and, and whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, I think these things are really hard to do. To be honest with you, it's why I don't really do it. They they get a lot of uh, clicks and attention and all that, which is fantastic. Um, but I, I just find these things very hard to actually get your opinion across and people find one thing they disagree with and that's all they care about uh, which annoys me as a content creator but I think this is pretty accurate I think it's pretty fair I think there were a couple of guys who were probably unlucky not to be there obviously the big one for me is Brad Fittler Obviously, more of a 5'8", 100%. Uh, but he's a guy that if you want to include him in the lock category, I'd probably push him to number two, probably behind Bradley Clyde. And I could even argue Freddie to be number one. And I know he didn't play a heap of 13, but whenever he did, fuck, game over. Stop the fight. Uh, Dallas Johnson's another one from the Melbourne Storm. I always thought he was tremendous, tough as nails. Played origin, uh, won comps, was very, very good. Um, who else sort of comes to mind? I think some of the guys that are playing nowadays, like there's no modern day players on there. All those guys, oh, except for Jason Tamalolo, sorry. Everyone else is retired by this point. But I think Isaiah Yo, he could be up there with a really good shout. I know he's only been like a top shelf uh, lock forward for you know three or four years, but he's won two premierships in that time. Uh, so and, and and been to a grand final. So I'm not sure how many of these guys realistically have been to that many grand finals or won premierships. Bradley Clyde obviously did. Uh, Tamalolo didn't. Sam Burgess didn't. Paul Gallen didn't. Glenn Stewart did. To be fair. Corey Parker, I think he got two prems. Ben Kennedy uh, got the one premiership. Greg Bird, nothing. Tony Carroll got a few. Yeah, so there are a few, to be fair. But I think Isaiah Yo needs to be considered in that conversation. Cam Murray's another modern-day guy who has been fantastic for a very long time. I would, If you would have said to me five years ago, who's someone you're very confident would be on this list, I would have told you Victor Radley after he'd won his two premierships in 18 and 19. But he's obviously dropped off quite a bit over the last three years, which is very disappointing. I've spoken about that before. But, um, yeah, a lot of champion players on there, a lot of really good picks. I think Torhu Harris probably needs to be in that conversation as well. He's been tremendous for quite some time now. Um, and, of course, Paddy Carrigan. Very young, and you couldn't possibly have him on this list now, but I think in 10, 15 years' time, I think Paddy Carrigan will 100% be on this list. I think Cam Murray will be on this list. And if the Panthers keep going the way they are, geez, it's going to be hard to keep Isaiah Yo off this list. So a heap of guys that you could put in there that will go in there over time. But a really good list here. I enjoyed it. Just having a look through some of the comments to see if there's anyone. Jason Smith was a good suggestion from Gordon Tallis, champion player Jason Smith. Um, Isaiah Yo was suggested. Um, what have we got? Luke Lewis, uh, I'd, I'd consider Luke Lewis to be an edge player personally. Uh, a lot of people getting stuck into, <laughs> a lot of people getting stuck into Clarkie about putting in Bradley Clyde. Like fuck, please, you don't know what you're talking about, gentlemen. Uh, Bobby Linder and Gary Larson. I don't think they played the NRL era. Um, about time someone recognised Bradley Clyde, the greatest lock to ever play, and should be an immortal. Of course, it's only my opinion. Yeah, interesting. A lot of the older generation do suggest that he should be an immortal. So, interesting one. Um, I don't think he ever will, to be honest with you. But um, I get the conversation one hundred percent. Dallas Johnson, yeah, good shout. Jeremy Smith needs to be there. Bird's best as as a centre rather than a lock. Bird's best was as a centre rather than a lock. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, but Jeremy Smith is a very good shout, a tremendous player as well, a great lock forward. Uh, could play on the edge as well. Could, could do it all, Jeremy Smith. Very, very talented. Ashley Harrison's another good shout. I couldn't put him in this list, but I think he's worth uh, mentioning there. Very, very talented. 
Um, yeah, this is my favorite comment though. People need to relax. Just his opinions for fuck's sake. Completely agree. Uh, Jake Travojevic is another one that you could throw in there as well. That'd be a nice little shout. Uh, so yeah, there's one here that says Birdman. I'd put you higher. Taking Greg Bird. He said, thanks mate. I'd say a little low, confidently flog a few of these blokes above, especially Gallon. (laughs) <laughs> Great chat. <laughs> like he's a funny bastard bird. Um, oh, Luke Rickardson's a really good shout as well. Someone just mentioned Rico. That's a very good shout. I forgot about Luke Rickardson. He should be right up there. That's a very good point. There's another fella who he never played rep football or anything, but fuck, he was tough. Tony Grimaldi for the Canterbury Bulldogs. I wouldn't put him in this list, but it's all sort of one I'm happy to mention there. But Luke Rickardson's a really, really good shout. He was a lock forward for the Kangaroos for a period of time, always in the New South Wales sides. Premiership winner with the Roosters in 2002. I'd probably say if Rico would have won the 03 and 04 premiership, he's probably held a little bit higher. But uh, one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. I think there's an argument there that he's, he could be the best defensive player I've ever seen. He was unbelievable, uh, Luke Rickardson. Just never missed tackles, got through a heap of work, fit as a fiddle. Um, good-looking rooster, so I think people sort of underestimated him at times, but he was tough as nails. Uh, so, yeah, really good... Um I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Really good list there. I enjoyed that. That was a good time. A couple of guys that were unlucky to miss out, and I think over the next 10 or 15 years, uh, that list will change quite a bit. The other one I'd mention is Jim Dimmick. Now, I'm not sure if Jim Dimmick qualifies or not. I think he might have retired just before or not played in the NRL uh, just in enough time. But Jim Dimmick was a fantastic lock forward. I'll just see when he played his last game. Um, yeah, yeah, he was playing in 99 and 2000. Yeah, he played 98, 99, 2000. He actually played about 70 games in the NRL era. So that's interesting. So Jim Dimmick is 100% one that I would find a spot in there. Uh, I think he was the Clive Churchill medalist in 1995 for the, not the Canterbury Bulldogs, the Sydney Bulldogs they were that year. Terry Lamb and him leading them to that premiership. Uh, so yeah, he's another one that I would definitely put right up there. One of my favourite players ever, Jimmy Dimmick. Uh, very underrated, very smart, probably didn't play as much rep football as he should have, uh, but fuck, he could play Jimmy Dimmick. A very, very good shout there. Uh, guys, that will do us. Make sure you go check out Clarkie's Rugby League column and Andy, Andy Raymond's podcast, uh, putting out fantastic content, fantastic discussions to have, and we'll see. I'm not sure if the boys have put out all the other ones already or if this is a new thing. I'm not sure. I haven't really kept track of it, to be honest with you, but I might go through and have a look at some of the others and give my live reaction to all of the positions because I imagine – Lock forward, probably one of the easier ones to do. I reckon some of the other ones would be fucking brutal and there'd be a lot of conversations happening around those. So I might give my live reaction to them and do it here on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Stay tuned this afternoon, guys. We've got beers and break-evens coming your way.